0: Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share stories about fitting in, standing out, and every little mishap on the journey to feeling at home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. Happy Halloween! As an American, I of course love Halloween. And as an American living in Germany, I am, of course, annually <laughs> a bit bummed <laughs> about um, not being in the States for. All the halloween goodness though to be fair halloween as an adult is not really as cool as it was when you were a kid and you were allowed to go trick-or-treating i digress <laughs> this year is actually my first time where i'm going to be celebrating halloween in germany so i actually have three or four halloween related events that i'm going to this weekend and i'm pretty darn excited we'll see how it goes but I think it's definitely gonna help because in years past Halloween's definitely been a time where I feel a little bit more homesick than normal so I just wanna say if you're listening to this and you're out there and you're missing Halloween and you don't have anything planned try to just take a little time and do something that you'll have fun with. Maybe it's watching your favorite Halloween movie or TV show. By the way, mine is the Freaks and Geeks Halloween episode. I sort of just cry every time I watch it, and I think it's great and perfect. Um, Anyway, <laughs> watch whatever is your Freaks and Geeks Halloween episode, whatever is the thing that really gets you in the right mood, which I guess for me somehow Halloween mood is crying. Um, I don't know, if you've seen the episode I feel like maybe you'd understand what I'm talking about, but again I'm digressing. What I mean to say is just try and do something that'll make you feel a little bit better because this can totally be a triggering point in life abroad, missing out on the holidays that mean a lot to you or that didn't used to mean a lot to you but suddenly they do because you don't have them anymore, now you miss them, now that they're not there now it's a problem. Because this episode is coming out on Halloween, I thought it would be fun to do an episode inspired by the much-loved podcast My Favorite Murder. Turns out it's really hard to tell murder stories in a funny and entertaining, yet still respectful way, (laughs) so I'm not sure how much me and my guest nail it, but we give it a go. I think I can safely say that I am glad that I host this podcast and not... My Favorite Murder, because those hosts are amazing, and now that I've tried to do something as inspired by them, I can really doubly say it's it's not that easy to do, <laughs> but they do make it seem easy because they're just so talented. So anyway, if you don't know My Favorite Murder, this is a great time to go check it out. I'll link to the show in my show notes, but for now, you can go ahead and enjoy this My Favorite Murder-themed expat cast episode.
1: My name is Megan Kelly. I'm originally from Hartsburg, Missouri, and I currently live in Freiburg, and I've lived here, well, for just over a year, but I lived here also two years ago for a summer. And what brought you here? My master's program. So this summer, I finished my master's degree in social sciences with the global studies program, which is why I was here two years ago, and then back here for a year, and now I'm just looking to stay in Germany and apply for jobs and hopefully maybe a PhD.
0: The most important thing that you've been up to has been watching the Bachelor franchise. Oh, yes. Of with uh, a <laughs> recent guest, Jenny and I. Yes. <laughs> we did mention your snacks of choice.
1: I know. I heard the grapes. I felt so honored. Yep, I feel so. like I bring a lot junkier stuff now, though, <laughs> that Aurora's not That's there. That's true. She was a good influence. She was she's, the help. Moved back. And yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So, but you are Megan of the grape bringing.
1: Yes. For, yes, for exactly. those familiar. Yeah
0: clearly (laughs) um but we're not even really gonna talk about your story today because we have far more important murderous things to talk about this episode is coming out on halloween and in honor of the spooky scary season we decided to pull a leaf from the true crime genre of podcasting (laughs) and specifically um the well-loved podcast my favorite murder we're going to share our favorite Freiburg murders. But okay, before we dive into it, do you want to give a quick explanation of what my favorite murder is for anyone who isn't familiar with
1: the show? So um, Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hartstark are two friends who both have a shared interest in true crime. And I think like their origin story is something like One of them was at a party and telling a story and it was like a really gruesome story and everybody else in the room like moved away and the other one was the only one that moved forward and was like, tell me more. That's amazing. Um, So, And so it's like weirdly a comedy podcast, but it's not ever like belittling or at least they try not to be belittling of victims but yeah so they discuss different cases and so each of them usually tells a true crime or kind of true crime adjacent story um usually murder is involved there's been some (laughs) truly creepy ones (laughs) you cannot listen to at night but it's fine um but it's infected with humor and so it's not completely scary or anything and not always a hundred percent like they're not necessarily known for being always accurate or doing necessarily the best research but and they're very clear about that as well yeah
0: Yeah. i think as a librarian you listen to it and they're like almost blatantly pulling almost all of their sources from wikipedia which i'm like it's not the best idea however i gotta say if we're preparing for this episode today (laughs) oh i hit up that wikipedia not much else It's inspired by for a reason right exactly but then i was also thinking I, i listened to some recent episodes of my favorite murder as inspiration and i was like man they have such a good personality for this yeah which I do not feel like I have that same personality here's I think a good example of my like resting heart rate um one time I was on a road trip and we were playing a game where we read the license plates and they in the U.S. they have pretty much random initials yeah and then some numbers and so we would take the initials and you had to come up with like a phrase that fit to those initials yeah. yeah it's fun right so but of course you know being immature adults it's like the dirtiest one or like yeah. the grossest one and one of them was PRC and I can't remember what my driving mates came up with but I'm pretty sure I remember what the C1 was um <laughs> I came up with people really care <laughs> <laughs>
1: so <laughs> That's where You're more the Terry Gross speed
0: of... Yes, exactly. <laughs> so with that in mind, I'm going to try to be funny and jabby about murder. I'll probably Woo-hoo! fail. <laughs> yeah, I
1: don't know how well... This is like all my friends through my master's program jokingly said, and I want to clarify for the people, I do not love murder. I, <laughs> I just know a lot of weird, strange facts about creepy things. Some of it happens to be murder cases, but I... I'm just interested in like the psychology behind why people do what they do and like creepy stories. I just kind of like creepy stories. But yeah, always some of my friends would be like, this is Megan. She loves murder. No, seriously. That's how one of my roommates used to introduce me that way. It's so hard to talk yourself down from that because it's just like, yeah, so.
0: So with this in mind, let's dive into the first case, which I think you're going to kick us off. Okay
1: you yeah, ready yeah and again i already apologized to you off air but i apologize for my bad german pronunciation <laughs> as i'm reading a <laughs> oh, no, it's on this um so yeah the first case and i think the case that i first told you about when we talked about this yes yes is the case known as the phantom of Heilbronn or the woman without a face i was really drawn to it because there's so few female serial killers so just some case details to start us off. So the first case that was labeled as this maybe Fanta, um the woman without a face, was in Heilbronn, and it was on April twenty fifth, two thousand seven. And a police woman, her name was Michelle Kizaveta. Nailed it. Oh, She was murdered in her car and her partner was also like critically injured. Their weapons and handcuffs were stolen out of the car and this sparked a large investigation because it was the death of a police woman and their weapons are missing. So it's really serious. So DNA that was found at the crime scene was run through a German database and it had several hits in the system, which was cool for the police because, you know, that means that there's other crimes that are connected to it Um, and the DNA said that it was a woman of Eastern European origins um, and it was definitely a woman and so this kind of got police thinking and then once this got into the media oh maybe it's a female serial killer so it was connected to a number of different cases um, that had happened from I think the late 90s through basically 2007 so DNA that when they initially ran it through was found at two previous murder scenes. Well, wow. it was found at burglaries and it was also found across borders. So it was found uh, connected to a couple of cases in Austria. It was connected to a case in France. So for some examples, uh, one was the strangulation of a six two year old woman in Ida Oberstein in 1993. So the DNA was run through the system in 2001 because as we all know, for the people who watched The People vs. OJ, (laughs) (laughs) DNA wasn't a big thing until after. After OJ. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, whatever. That's a whole different story, but whatever. Um, And so how this connects to Freiburg is... Um, there was a murder case of a 61-year-old man in Freiburg. And after they had cleaned the scene, they found DNA on a kitchen drawer from potentially the murderer um, in Freiburg. Wow. So there's a lot of different cases. All this goes on. And for about two years, they suspect that it's this female serial killer. It's unsolved. And the case just continues. The plot continues to thicken.
0: I think it's also really interesting... <laughs> talking about anything in Germany ties back to World War II in one way or another. And mm-hmm. this, you know, with DNA evidence, as that started to become a thing, I was reading about how what plays into this case and many others is there are really strict restrictions on how DNA can be collected and put in a database oh, really? in Germany oh, sense. because they yeah. misused genealogical yeah. research during World War II. And so the only, if I remember correctly, which again, we're doing this My Favorite Murder yeah. Style, so you can't quote us on any of this no. crap. But um, <laughs> if I remember correctly, they were saying only dna that's allowed to go into the database is people who have been convicted of a crime oh interesting so when they were running the dna for this case they were finding all of these other crimes but they weren't finding a person because that person Mm. had never been put into the database which means they were never convicted for any of these crimes and so they're kind of like this is crazy yeah like who could it be that did all of these pretty diverse bad things yeah in so many different yeah, places are like super
1: unrelated like mm-hmm. it doesn't fit a temp- typical profile right yeah but never got caught for yeah. any of it however consistently left their dna behind yeah so really interesting that's super interesting i didn't realize that that was an element to it i actually hadn't found that mm-hmm. that's something really different from what you would hear for a lot of american cases because they feel like a lot of dna's in this oh yeah system. they just, just take just like, all the dna <laughs> yeah it's just like same way with like all web data right oh, like yeah. you don't get asked do you need to accept these cookies or not no 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 like you they know, just are take them the, yeah of mm-hmm. course yeah okay cool. so Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) So what happens next? Yeah, so there's like 40 cases over the course of 15 years. I mean, just these, is all in two years. This is all in two years that this is being analyzed. The crimes that had happened over 15 years, And over 3,000 women were tested for DNA. And there was a massive reward for information, but nothing happened. So what happened was in March of 2009, a match of the DNA was found in a burned body of a male asylum seeker in France, which didn't make sense as the DNA was female. But this led them to the realization that all these crime scenes had used the same forensic lab to run all this data in Bavaria. So they find that one of the women working in this forensics lab Is a DNA match for the phantom? But was she a murderer? No, she wasn't. (laughs) So, sorry, spoiler, (laughs) spoiler. Um, she wasn't. So it turns out that the swabs that were used for all these different crime scenes for what turns out were unrelated, besides that they use these swabs were not swabs that were meant for human. DNA testing
0: oh yeah
1: so I actually misunderstood this story first when I had first heard about it I thought this woman at the factory like had messed yeah. up and she had put her like you know like <laughs> infected all these DNA she swabs by an like, kind of
0: accident Real responsible employee <laughs> yeah, just, just kind of like bleep, 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 bleep. yeah
1: no but it wasn't her fault so it was oh. actually these like the company and then the police precincts were getting the wrong so I guess it was kind of fumbling on a lot of different sides. like it sounds like things were going unchecked so they were contaminated before they were even shipped because they wow. were never meant. So there's like certain swabs for human DNA exactly. testing. Well, an interesting fun fact is that Bavaria, although it's the region central to the crimes because it's where these swabs came from, they had no reports of crimes committed by the phantom bear. And it's because Bavaria used, I guess, a different huh. lab, different forensic lab. And it turns out, so Michelle Casaveta, uh, who is the woman who was murdered in 2007 that really sparked... This whole investigation and leading to all these, the DNA being put in the system and trying to figure out the different hits, it turns out she wasn't killed by the Phantom Woman. She was killed by two neo-Nazis that were later found to be connected to the National Socialist Underground, which was uncovered in 2011. Oh. And so the National Socialist Underground was actually connected to nine different murders and also bombings, I think, in Colm. And one other city, I can't remember. But yeah, so basically this neo-Nazi group had killed her and injured her partner. And then they took, these two guys took the handcuffs and the weapons. And how it was eventually tied to the case is that it's claimed that they committed suicide in a building and then burned the building down or like set the building on fire and then killed themselves. Whoa. But the handcuffs and the gun of uh, this policewoman were found in a car outside that was, like, registered for them or something. So that's how they finally solved that case. And it was after they already knew it wasn't a phantom woman. Wow. But I I wasn't sure. I haven't been able to find information of all these other cases. I'm assuming are still cold cases that they had tried to tie to this phantom woman.
0: Yeah, because that totally changes how the yeah. police are going to approach the investigation. It's like if, they, if they're if they trying to connect all these weird unrelated threads yeah. versus, oh, wait, now we have to go back and they're all individual cases. yeah. That's nuts. And there was one. Um, I did a little bit more research oh. for this one. There, well, there was that famous, well, famous to us because we've talked about yeah. it three times. <laughs> um, <laughs> not to the world. Not to the world. Just in our little duo yeah. here. Um, famous article from what? The Guardian? BBC? BBC,
1: I think. BBC, yeah.
0: yeah where they, they did a whole profile on this case. And basically it was written at the time that it was still unsolved. And they're talking to the different German cops about what methods they're approaching like what they think of who this woman might be how all this stuff and it was so eerie to read it because you read it and it's so spooky yeah
1: super spooky but then
0: I'm reading it knowing yeah y'all are so off and it must have been I don't remember the date that it was released but of course then later they they find out that it's not true but I'll link to that uh article in the show notes because it is a trip to read. Yeah,
1: especially once you know the secret. Mm-hmm. Well, I think when I first heard of this case, which it's been a couple of years ago that I had first heard of it, and it's just been in the back of my mind, was because I think <laughs> before I move anywhere, I, I think I like. No. No, because, well. You like I, Google murder. I, for no, it. I don't Google murder, but I just Google the place. And so I think because there was a hit. For Freiburg, oh, okay. there was, yeah. And of course, when I first moved here, it was a couple months after the woman, Maria, was murdered. And so this was, there was also BBC articles about it. So it's like, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Murder yeah. capital, Freiburg. Yeah. Not really. Not really at all. But. <laughs> well, this
0: is also like when I was Googling, trying to figure out what, what story I wanted to share if you do Google Freiburg murder, you're going to find the case that was just a couple of years ago of a
1: woman. She was a young woman. Yeah. 19 or 19 or 20. Yeah. She was a a university student.
0: Yeah. She was biking home one night along the river and got raped and murdered. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. Um, And this is why I think that I'm not cut out for doing a true crime podcast. It stays with you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I just keep thinking of that story and of course the 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 crimes that were not committed by the woman without a face were committed by other people like these are still awful things like you said the one case was done by neo-nazis like yeah yeah which is crazy
1: Mm. yeah that's what i think is really actually for i started listening to my favorite murder like i knew about it before i moved to germany but i started listening to it when i moved to freiburg actually like, my, one of my first weeks here, I remember listening to the first couple episodes. I couldn't listen to that show when I was home as much. And I think it's because it, most of the cases they cover are in the U.S. And so it just, like, even though they weren't near me or it happened years and years ago, yeah. they felt a lot closer to home. And that was the same. I listened, stopped listening probably when I lived in South Africa. And it just because I finally caught up to all the backlog. But also because it's, like, when... I was in South Africa. I always, I I loved living in South Africa. It was great. But there was such a level of like fear instilled in people from like the moment before we even moved there. Like you have to watch out. You have to watch your back. It's not, which wasn't the, I didn't find to be the case, but I think so in places where you fear, like where it feels more connected in some way, like it's harder for me to listen as well. Yeah. It's like, I remember reading Jillian Flynn who wrote Gone Girl. Yes. In Dark Places. I read that when I lived in Turkey and I was so glad I did because even though it was a fictional book, it like took place in a rural farmhouse in Missouri. Oh my God, And it was like yeah. the whole family was murdered. I was like, there's no way I could have read this book at home because I would in have just- oh, In your yeah. farmhouse in Missouri. Oh yeah, in Missouri. Yeah. I would have just been like up my doors oh like my six times. Yeah. So, So one yeah.
0: thing that I still am flabbergasted by, mm-hmm. when I was doing my research for what story I wanted to share, yeah. I came across a case that I- do not believe that you had not heard no, of. No, I had never heard of. Yeah. Okay. So I was blown away by the case that I'm about to talk about centers around Heinrich Max Pomeren- Pomerenka. <laughs> Heinrich Max Pomerenka. Uh-huh, we're going to go with I'm that. AKA <laughs> the beast of the black forest, AKA the Frauenmurder, the woman murderer. Mm-hmm. Megan, you study. <laughs>
1: misogynist this. murders, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah that's my main yeah weird interest is is misogyny and violence so yep like just for for the record yeah, yeah so i'm interested in like male supremacism as a hate ideology yeah and this guy
0: fits right into this yeah he's like
1: a proto yeah male supremacist it's
0: terrifying and fascinating yeah. so let's dive into that cool. He was born on July 6th, 1937 in Benchwish, which I don't know where that is. I think it's, no, it's in East Germany somewhere. So this, you know, he's born right, you know, in the midst of
1: Hitler's reign. And I think on Wikipedia, it even said like Nazi Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Which is super interesting. Uh I didn't realize they did that. His
0: birthplace was Nazi Germany, which I think puts a good contextualization onto this. His dad died during the war. Which is the kind of thing that just, like, on Wikipedia, it's just this one kind of throwaway line, leaving his mother to her two children. And also in life, I find that this is just kind of, like, a thing that happens. Like, people mention, oh, like, their grandparents died in the war or their grandparents Mm -hmm. were involved in the war. But, like, that alone does a lot psychologically to get into people's heads. Like, that's, that's big. So he grows up with just his sibling and his mom. And after the war in 1949, they um, they moved to Switzerland. And then on back to in Mecklenburg, where he lived with his grandparents. And when he was... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm literally reading Wikipedia. This is so bad. Um, it's part of the spirit. <laughs> when he was still a student, he committed his first rape. Oh, this is such a funny sentence. After completing a painting apprenticeship and another
1: rape... <laughs> <laughs> this is obviously written by a very impartial, like Wikipedia. Uh, okay, I don't know, writer or editor. Yep.
0: <laughs> so he then fled East Germany for West Germany. So now this is fifty-three. So when he was fleeing, they caught him. There wasn't a wall back then, but there was. was st- you still weren't supposed like restrictions to fly and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they sent him to live with his mom in Zurich, which I guess she was in Zurich at this point. And then he. I guess kind of became of age and moved out to this town called Schaffhausen and he was also accused of rape there, for the record. Just escalating. So at this point, Switzerland kicks him out of their country. Smart move for really. all of the rapes. Yeah. Yes. Um and he was banned from entering the country for ten years. Which seems strange. Yeah. But Okay. Sure. Okay. okay. Cool. Um he'd also done other things or been accused of other other things like robberies and <laughs> Here it just says moral crimes, so ah. think of that as you will. Cause, and that was in um, Bregenz in Austria, where hmm. I guess he'd also lived. So he's already got quite a record, quite a history but the reason he became famous and was called the Beast of the Black Forest is because he did a lot of bad things in the Black Forest. Like, worse than
1: already. That's like, that's pretty bad, then, if you already, like, are a serial rapist. Right. Are pretty terrible. Get kicked out of a country. country. Like, please don't come back. A country
0: with a reputation of being very, like, hands off.
1: Yeah, exactly. They like, were like, okay, this is where they take a stand. Yeah.
0: Which is a good stand to take.
1: Yes. Okay, okay.
0: So it, so it got worse. Happened? So he... Later said that he was triggered when he watched the movie The Ten Commandments by Cecil B. DeMille. Okay. Which he watched in Karlsruhe, which is about an hour ICE train ride yeah. from here, hour north. I guess there was a scene in there where it led him to come to the conclusion that all women are the root of evil. And oh, so casual.
1: it is now his mission to punish them. Hmm. Right. This is such an interesting phenomena, though, of... of- It's specifically men from what I know of watching movies and then committing violence after watching movies. Mm. So this is like um, the same happened after Clockwork Orange is that there was like gangs that were like good guys went out on the street and tried to like recreate the gangs from Clockwork Orange or Fight Club. Like I know that after that movie came out, like men started fight clubs, even into the like early two thousands, it's like, did you not get the point? Like, did you? That you was the opposite of the point of you it. You didn't read the whole thing. You just yeah. read like the first half, and you were yeah. like, "Oh, bike club, cool." <laughs> okay, oh, no, but so that's what's interesting is like. Yeah, it's there's it specifically kind of connection. seems to be, I mean, maybe it's just because also men are more likely to commit violent crimes or are connected to more violent crimes. But yeah, that's interesting that you would watch a movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've personally never watched a movie and been like, I should go do that. Yeah. <laughs> this one movie has driven me to this
0: very large conclusion. Yeah, seems and, like a
1: really bad excuse.
0: And then to like take it on to himself and yeah. be like, okay, and I will heed the call, which I just, no one called me, just it's in my yeah. own head. But yeah, I will yeah. heed the call. He literally left the movie theater And committed a murder. Of course. That night in a park right nearby. Um, And the body showed signs of being raped and also slit at the throat. So, Mm. yeah, he's off to what turned out to be the start of a whole series of similar crimes. So this was in 1959. That March, I think this was like January, February when he Mm. killed the first woman. In March, he abused this other woman. In a hut, I guess, in the woods, sort of on the outside of this city called Hornbag. And then he did kill her at the end. Of course, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, In May, just a couple months after that, in Singen, he broke into this girl's house, an 18-year-old. He tried to strangle her. But she was actually able to get free and call for help. And so he fled. Um, And this was the first time that they had some kind of description of him because the girl Mm. was able to give um, at least a physical description. But they didn't connect him to the last two murders because these are all happening in different towns. Oh, wow. But at least now it was on the record. Later, and actually the next day in May, he boarded a train in Heidelberg heading south. And while he was on this train, he murdered again a 21-year-old. Oh, I did read this one. He threw her off the train, right? He threw her off the train. And the, the train was heading down towards Basel. And so they were passing Freiburg yeah. when this happened. This is the Freiburg part near this town called Ebringen. And so he, he must have murdered her a little bit before then. Because at this point is when he, he presses the emergency brake on the train. And then two miles later, the train comes to a stop. And that place where it came to a stop is Schallstadt, which is, it's right around the corner from here. Ah! Yes. Yeah. Wow. Um. Right. So while the train is stopped, he gets out of his bed and drags the corpse off the train and like down to a nearby road. And this is extra freaking creepy. While she's dead, he rapes her, rapes Ugh. her dead body. It's This guy's horrible. She was traveling with friends though and so she was reported missing and they found her body just a couple of days later in Apringen on like a river side. So that gave them a lot more clues to who this person might be and so now like the Freiburg police was investigating all of the different cops mm-hmm. started
1: communicating and all this kind of stuff. Since it was going to Basel, I wonder if he like I'd always planned to get off before Switzerland since he wasn't allowed in. I don't True. know if they do border checks. I mean, they don't really do border checks on the trains now. Yeah. But I wonder if this is partially like he was like, I'm going to do this. Cause it sounds like he was more of a spree killer. Because like serial killers, I think to be categorized as a serial killer, there's different definitions, but some people say that has to be at least three murders over the span of a certain amount of time. And so like it has to be far apart. But I think spree killers it's usually closer together so like obviously like Richard Speck's an example he killed eight people in one night but like someone who kills over the course of like a couple of days I think is still considered spree mm. and they're not usually as well organized yeah so I wonder if it's like that this
0: all happens within a six-month period from when he has this idea that women are the cause of all evil and yeah. he goes that's crazy and all- yeah so he was like very busy because now like if you i'll link to the wikipedia site on him but like uh there's a crime on june 2nd there's a crime on june 6th on june 8th on june 9th on june 10th is when he goes into a weapons shop in baden baden and he stole a pistol and then with this pistol he invaded a ticket office um Mm -hmm. at a train station and, and took 540 deutsche mark which um Not even that much money, but okay. And then he went on to pick up a suit. Okay. As one does. Yeah. And he ordered it under his own name. That doesn't seem smart. Dude, like people got away with so much more back in the day, right? Like this is... So, um... He picks up his suit. I think he changes his clothes and then he he flees. But obviously there was a lot of activity in that time. So the cops were on that something was up. Yeah. And they found like a footprint near the train station. And that corresponded to a footprint that they found um, on the June 8th crime that he committed. And then they were able to connect the burglary to the murders. And at this point they were aware that there were murders. And then on top of that, this guy in this town was able to, kind of connect, like, the rifle and the personal data of Heinrich. Yeah. So this is how it all sort of came together, and they arrested him. And he confessed to the crimes, sort of gave this backstory about the the movie. He went on to trial and went on to have life imprisonment six times and another... 15 years yeah. in prison sent like a assigned to him obviously um died at some point in prison but he had the record of being the person with the most severe sentence in west germany oh, wow. in the post-war period and i think he also he has another um like world record whatever until his death he was germany's longest serving prisoner because oh, really? he was all this was happening when he was 22
1: Oh, and he yeah. went on to
0: live to be 71. So that's a good amount of yeah. time to be in prison. And I imprisoned. guess here,
1: I mean, people just aren't usually imprisoned as long, typically. Exactly. As yeah. what we're probably used to Easter in the West. U.S. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So that is... America's broken,
1: it's And it's long been broken.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. Yep. Okay, cool. So that's yeah. his story. The, wow. The Frau in Morda. Yeah, there's um, It's a pretty famous case. So there's actually a ARD radio play about his case that they made. There was like a criminal documentary made about it. So it's a pretty common case. And yeah, to, to say that I found this because... I had very recently been in several of the places yeah. listed. And,
1: you know, we live in this town where it's happening. It's super creepy. Super creepy, even though it was like, I mean, not that long ago, but mm-hmm. yeah, longer ago. But I do have to say, yeah, I'm surprised that I didn't know this case. Um, but also, yeah, if you watch a movie and it once makes you want to commit a crime, specifically murdering women, it's like you're probably just a misogynist to begin right? with. You probably also blamed your mother. Yeah. Yeah, in some way, because that's a really common theme among really famous U.S. serial killers. It's like, my mother was so terrible to me. Like, even if they were in family situations where their father had abandoned the family, they wouldn't blame the father. They would always blame the mom. Well, yeah. Yeah. And this is why I sort of
0: wanted to highlight the sentence earlier where it's like his dad died in the war. Yeah. You know, he was born in a really awful time in Germany and he was directly affected at a very young age by this and which is not to say this directly leads to becoming an awful terrible serial killer obviously a lot of people didn't go that route but
1: yeah well and it's I think well two things come to mind there one is that used to be an idea that I heard a lot among friends who are interested in true crime that that the reason the U.S. has so many serial killers is that there were so many young boys without fathers because they died in World War II and that's why the 60s and 70s like had such a huge numbers of serial killers and one that's kind of like Uh, I don't know, coded language (laughs) that's not great, I feel like. But two, it doesn't make sense because obviously there's so many other places that have been affected by war and have ongoing wars, and it's just they don't seem to have, or maybe it's just not the fascination or the number or the resources to investigate serial killers. But the second thing is that, like, it's also really common among serial killers, maybe most notably with um, the recently caught Golden State killer who was caught two years ago, who was active a long time in California, and he started as the East Area Rapist. Actually, he started as the Vendalia Brownsacker. So he had all these different names huh. and they didn't know for sure that they were all connected. They were the same person. So he started breaking into people's homes and then he started raping women and then he started murdering people. So this is often common, like a common trajectory is that like, Obviously, sexual assault should be taken seriously no matter what. Like it's and it's just not taken seriously enough. But especially if someone has a pattern of this behavior, it's super frightening because they could escalate to further violence of taking someone's life, which is what the case was there. And with the case of the East Area Rapist, he was also a police officer or the Golden State Killer East Area Rapist. He was a police officer. So he used his badge. Yeah. And then he like was caught stealing something which and so he was asked to like come in for a meeting and he's like I resign and like immediately because he I think he knew that he would probably be caught if yeah or be connected to stuff because it was like also suspicious stuff that he was stealing Oh, he stopped like around the time the DNA evidence became a thing. <laughs> so they, they, so there's rumors. I don't know if it's ever been confirmed now because obviously they've captured him. Not captured. They caught him now with DNA evidence because of like 23andMe. Like one of his distance relatives oh. took a 23andMe. They had DNA evidence from the system they ran it through the system this is how they caught him oh my god yeah okay well wow. anyway if you want to know more about that michelle mcnamara <sighs> the late and great has a fantastic book yeah it's so well written it's so good but it was just it's yeah. really heavy like as it should be right because this is the thing too like
0: i mean even in the couple of stories that we told there's so many i mean you could just get lost thinking in a whole of like these individual lives who are very affected yeah. by all of these crimes and that uh yeah i don't always engage with true crime because this is <sighs> it's yeah, a lot too taken. Yeah, this take is kind on. of like how to stop... Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So there was our attempt at taking a humorous <laughs> angle. On yeah, I know. It. All, um, the, all the
1: nervous laughter. Yeah.
0: awfulness. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, yeah. On that note, we're going to round the corner and head to home with our ending <laughs> segment. It's called Zack suck, suck, Suck. I'm going to ask you three questions. You're going to answer them without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Oh, I'm really bad at not overthinking it. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you're really ready. So ready. Okay. What is your favorite Halloween candy oh Reese's peanut butter cups would you rather go to a haunted house watch a scary movie or go
1: trick-or-treating I think go trick-or-treating and that's just because I have a very particular distinction between creepy and scary I like to be creeped out I don't like to be scared okay and finally
0: what is your favorite costume or favorite thing that you've been for Halloween oh god
1: um hmm I really liked, I've been a Freudian slip a lot (laughs) because it's so simple. You can make it anywhere. And especially because I've not been living in the US and it's like, I don't know if we're going to celebrate Halloween wherever I'm living. It's like, it's a really simple costume to put together. Um, with stuff I have. And for yeah. people who haven't seen the viral post of how yeah. to make that costume, what is it? It's like, so I wear a slip usually, and then I put words associated with Sigmund Freud on said <laughs> slip. So it's a Freudian slip. So, like, super ego, ego, penis envy, Oedipus <laughs> complex, you know, all the good stuff. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorites. It's a good one. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for
0: coming on. Thanks for having me. I had a, a delight blast. Yeah. <laughs> have a good Halloween. Thanks. You too. Oh, thanks. Thanks Thanks again to Megan for being my guest. Megan is actually also going to be my guest at one of my Halloween events coming up soon, which is the murder mystery party that I'll be attending, because guess what? Megan loves murder! Perfect, huh? Thanks for giving this episode a go with me, Megan. You the best. I also want to thank Amy Lungie Art for the logo and to Side Hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. And while you're at it, we're on Instagram too at The Expat Cast. We're also on Twitter at The Expat Cast. And you can email us at the expatcast at gmail.com. You can also, by the way, rate and review us. That would be a real treat get it it's like trick-or-treating okay okay I'll stop anyway go have yourselves a merry little Halloween eat a lot of candy eat some baked goods do your thing and we will be here back in your feeds next week with an episode about imposter syndrome it is a really really good one and I can't wait to get it to your feed so until then have a great week choose